0: Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Rocco. And this is episode 25 of Destination Linux. Hi, Rob. Hello, Rocco. Good to see
2: you, man. It's been a while. Welcome back, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's very good to be back. But, you know, you've done a, a great job while I was away.
1: Well, we fumbled through it. And uh you're back, and what are you running now, Rob?
2: Wow, um, so I am running mx sixteen so they've got you know fairly current- re- new release, and so I've got that running. I installed that Rocco on the family computer right and and uh really good experience and um so I decided to go ahead and put it on my system as well one of my partitions anyway so. I've got that. I've been running that. I'm bouncing back between that and um, <clears throat> Linux Mint. And
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I heard you were running Linux Mint Cinnamon. Is that proper?
2: Right? Yes, yes. And and uh, well, I'll save this for another show. But there are so many areas there that I could talk about. I mean, I could. We could make this a Linux Mint show because of some of the experiences. Primarily good, actually, a few bad but I'll leave it at that. But MX-16 on the other hand, has also been a really good uh, experience, especially on the family computer because of their driver tools. That particular system's got an ATI uh, video card in it and the MX tools put the driver in, just flawless install there.
1: Wow, so wait, let me get this straight. So you installed a Linux operating system and it just works. (laughs) <laughs> it just works. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> well, there's a few little
2: interesting things within the whisker menu. So if you reboot uh, and you've got just the categories set up, uh, you know, depending on where you have your category, you could be on the left or on the right, the categories will uncheck themselves. Oh. So you'll, you'll go to launch the whisker menu and there'll be no categories. All of the applications will still be listed, right. but I mean, it's an easy fix. You go into properties and you check categories again. And that, That only happens if you reboot, so not sure what's going on there. I'm
1: sure Dolphin will have a uh, solution to that. Okay. I think this is the longest install I've had for a while. It's still the Unity Ubuntu proper install, but I've installed GNOME and Cinnamon alongside of it, so... I'm not really running Unity, so you can count this as a long install, but it's really not because I've been running GNOME for the last week. So and that
2: worked out well. You were able to so basically at login you can choose which desktop
1: you're wanting to boot
2: into, correct?
1: Yep, I can choose Cinnamon or I can choose GNOME or I can choose Unity. So it's I guess the best of all the worlds depending on what I'm in the mood for. But really, (laughs) I mean, I like I said, I haven't booted into Unity. Or logged into Unity since I installed Gnome and Cinnamon, so I've been, I've uh actually went into Cinnamon a few times to see how well it's going to run, but uh, most of the time I've been running Gnome because there's just so much going on in Gnome right now, man. There's so many good things coming out for it, uh, you know, hence the flurry of activity title last week. It's just it's awesome.
2: So, what are your favorite extensions right now that you've got set up?
1: Well. Later in the show, we got the news about the poll for the extensions and stuff. But, uh, you know, Dash to Dock is obviously, for me, I mean, I know people like Dash to Panel because of the way it's set up, but Dash to Dock is, like, the best um, extension out there. And I was very disappointed to see in that that poll that they had the, uh, I forget what it was called, one of the sound uh, extensions, but they didn't have the uh, sound switcher that I use for oh, to switch the audio okay. uh, outputs. And that was the one I would have picked to be in there by default, but not everybody has, you know, like five different outputs. I mean, if you, if you got a laptop or something like that, you got one output and right. So, but that's just, I'm just partial of that. So,
2: well, let me ask you, what are you doing for the uh, menu side of things? You're just doing
1: the full screen launcher. I, I actually have um, arc on. Yeah. Yeah and it's there but i'm usually using the full screen i have both sitting there so it, okay. i probably shouldn't have both because it looks kind of dumb right now but i'm trying <laughs> to d- decide which one i want to use but arc is actually pretty nice so it, it really
2: is you know what i think uh i think given time just a few little tweaks within arc i think that's going to wind up being my favorite default menu launcher i mean if it had startup shutdown built in and the ability to go in and change a few things. Anyway, I digress. We got a lot to cover, but,
0: uh,
1: well, you did a video on cinnamon menus. Yes. So which one is your favorite right now? Oh gosh. Uh, well, actually
2: it's funny. So, you know, one of the issues I had with cinnamon was always kind of the menu launcher. And I never really took the time Mm -hmm. to dig in and go in and change a lot of the settings at the end of the day you can go in and tweak the default cinnamon launcher enough, I think to make it probably the one I would use the most at the end of the day. Um, you know, so, but there's a couple more that, that I haven't tried that people brought to my attention. So, you know, there's still more to explore there. It's really opened up Rocco a world for me that, you know, I just, you know how it is, man. Like, if you don't spend a lot of time with a particular desktop, there's a whole lot that's going on as the months go by, and and you just don't know that. Hey, such and such has launched for Cinnamon, and now you can do this. I mean, it's just like GNOME. If you know, if we didn't touch GNOME for six months, and or KDE for six days, if you didn't, you know, right. If you didn't touch KDE for six days, you've missed a ton of stuff.
1: So, I mean, except for <clears throat> Xfce. You you could leave that for six months and it would come back and it would be exactly the same. But I mean,
2: you could have whisker menu 4.1.1 dash a,
1: (laughs) it's going to be the exact same. I'm sorry. I mean, look, XFCE is great. It's just, there's not a lot of whole, there's not a lot of new development features going on there. So,
2: well, exceptional job i think with getting xfce at a place that i think it it should be you know Uh, giving you some options and adding in enough controls there for example you can set up uh, sounds for the system system sound schemes you know or themes and things like that
1: well i haven't run an an xfce desktop for a while but um, mx16 and actually And it's not complete uh, XFC, but it's partially. That's your, if that's your fancy, then both of them should, you should check both of them out because both of them are really good.
2: By the way, your peppermint video was awesome too, man. And the fact that you took the time to put yourself right in the center of that peppermint disc, (laughs) I thought was.
1: I debated so many times whether I should do that or not. I'm like, eh, man, why not?
2: So. I loved it. I loved it. That's right. Man, there's a lot of news to cover. There
1: is. So we better get at it. All right, let's do it. Um, the first and the biggest news, I think, in uh, Linux right now is that Ikey Darty is leaving his job at Intel and going to be a full-time Solus developer. Can you believe this? This is Awesome.
2: That's awesome. Yes, it is. Um, you know, to be full-time into something like that, or to be able to go full-time into, uh, developing your passion there, I think it's a fantastic thing, but goal
1: of 2,500. And that's when he said, you know, that's when they'll be able to make the decision to do have a full-time developer, but, and they're not there yet, but, it was more according to everything that I've seen him write and chatted on telegram with. It's more of a personal decision for him than a professional decision. So, you know, he said that he enjoyed his time at Intel, but he wants to make Solus his passion. Well, it is his passion. He just wants to put it in full-time development and can, okay. So Solus is where it is and it's, awesome the way it is. Can you imagine what it's going to be when he's able to put all of his time and effort into it? I can't wait to see what's going to happen, dude.
2: Oh, I agree. And I wish him, you know, of course we wish him the best in the transition and everything. Um, and that's where, you know, seeing that kind of commitment, that's where people, I think in the community should, um, you know, should really take an interest and support all
1: that you can. Yeah. I think uh I think that they the Patreon actually got a bump from seeing the news but I think that it should have because if you're we've always talked about supporting people that you or projects that you um uh, that you use that uh that you would normally uh look at and say well you know I don't but I use this every day let me support this project that type of thing So I think it's a great thing, and I think anybody that uh, wants to donate, we will put a link to the Patreon page in uh, the show notes, and we suggest you help him out.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and best wishes to you, Ike. Um, So Rocco, in the news here, we've got a new release, uh, R9 of the LXQT version of uh, Rosa, uh, Rosa Fresh, and they're saying that this can smoothly work with 512 megabytes of RAM, which is pretty darn awesome, really. Um, you know, and it's a it's a light environment. It's uh, all LXQT components are based on the latest branch. Um, they're introducing a new Pell Moon web browser. Um, you know, we're starting to see a trend of that. There's quite a few browsers coming on the scene uh, or have come on the scene. And um, so – I've never run Alex, or uh, excuse me, not Alex QT, but Rosa. Is that something you've tried?
1: Well, I have tried Rosa before, uh, KDE version, and there's a, I forget what other version I did try, but they their KDE version actually they have an actual KDE four version yet, correct, and a yep. Plasma five version, and, as well as GNOME three and Mate. Yep, yep. So I have tried them in the past, but I didn't. I didn't stick with them but this really uh, to to say that it can work on five twelve ram is uh, a pretty bold statement man because <laughs> I mean that's not a lot of ram and I know that uh you know systems used to run on that but I don't know I guess you're gonna have to have a swap file uh, ready and willing uh, <laughs> yeah. if you do that because I would not wanna I won't want to test that out let's put it that way well no but I mean, to have that there, and it's just like, uh and we've discussed this
2: before too, of course, you know, with the trend of Linux distros moving to 64-bit only, uh, so you're going to leave some users behind. And yep. so, if you've got a distro here that can smoothly run on that small amount of RAM, they're, you know, we're looking at that as going, really? You're still running a system with right? <laughs> you know? But they're, could be people out there that uh that's a perfect fit for and so that's nice to see you know
1: well it's definitely, if if it can do that it's saying about how you know this this guy i forget the the name of him but he said that he needs something that will run on 512 RAM because all he does is browse the web and everything so this may be a a, a good option for him
2: yeah absolutely so
1: all right, so we got Chaos, their new uh ISO is out and that comes with 5.10 of Plasma, the newest version. Uh QT 5.9, QT, yep. QT, whichever QT. you prefer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh it also comes with uh have you ever run Babe as a music player? It's one of the newer music players out there. It's like a, I think it's actually in still like a beta thing but it's a a promising music player and elisa i guess that's how you would say it. that's another music player as well and snap and flat pack support
2: yep you know this is one i think to keep your eye on because um over the last year or so they haven't you know sat around doing doing nothing um they they've kind of i think been innovators in some ways uh don't they have their own repository that's all
1: Qt based? Yes, they do. They um, pretty much everything that's in their system is from their repositories. So yeah, it's uh, it's not a like a full blown Arch type thing. It is a, right. It is their own repositories that you would run. So that yeah. may turn some people off, but hey, working for IKE right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's
2: right. well another and and not many people are familiar with this distro there's a small little distro uh, group of guys that do this thing called linux mint uh mm-hmm. so, they've had some up updates as far as their beta is concerned with xfce uh, as well as kde and um initially they of course with their mainstay cinnamon desktop Uh, had a beta release, and this is for version 18.2. Now within XFCE Rocco, you've got the whisker menu. Uh, It's been upgraded to version 1.7.2, and so now you've got launchers that can be edited from the context menu. Uh, Desktop actions are now supported. Category names can be hidden in the preferences. Uh, The applications load immediately, and the new version brings translation updates and bug fixes. So uh, definitely check that out if, um, you know, if you're into Linux Mint and specifically XFCE. And I got I to gotta say, have you, well, first of all, let me ask you, have you run XFCE
1: on Linux Mint before? I don't think that I, I probably, if I did, it was just trying it out. I don't think I've ever ran it as my daily driver. Yeah. And trying the- it out, has been quite a few years, so. Just
2: based off of my more recent experience, and I know we were joking about XFCE, I think it's their best version. You think? I think so. Well, I'll tell you. So it's probably hasn't changed in three years since I tried. <laughs> Sorry. It's probably it's probably exactly the same, man. No, so so I load up Linux Mint and with cinnamon desktop, and the first thing that I notice is my fan starts to run, right? M- much much more. And so I was chatting in a few forums with different people and they said, Oh yeah. Yeah. We noticed, you know, I've noticed it too. My fan runs all the time with Linux Mint Cinnamon and, but it, you don't have that same experience with Linux Mint XFCE. Of course, the, the difference in the, maybe the resources required to, for all the desktop. I don't, I don't know, but uh, it's fast. It's smooth with xfce so <laughs>
1: well hey if it's fast and smooth then maybe that's a good one to run yeah yeah now what about the kde version have you run that i have run that and you know they're they've the really the big highlight of 18.2 beta is the fact that they're running 5.8 lts for plasma right. right everything else would be you know as far as updates are concerned they would all be the same for all of the versions of linux mint like the except. Xf- X-Apps are updated, that kind of thing. But really, the only difference for the KDE thing is that they're running 5.8 LTS. And I'll tell you what, when I ran, I compared KDE Neon to Linux Mint KDE, and it actually ran pretty good while I was running it. So if you're a KDE fan, you know, you may... I think there were issues with uh, screen tearing, but Mm -hmm. other than that, uh, there there were no crashing, like... When I was on KD Neon, I would crash constantly, crash constantly, at least this last time, not the time before, not in the 5.8 series, but in 5.9. But again, KD uh, Linux Mint sticks with the older versions, and maybe that's why it is more stable. So,
2: Well, and yeah, uh, you got a point there. You know, the thing is with Kate. All right. So we've talked about this. So right now you're kind of focusing in on GNOME. Yep. And I've been, back and forth with Cinnamon and XFCE here quite a lot lately. Um, What's happened with KDE that you and I are not gravitating towards it, man? I mean,
1: look, they have a lot of innovation. They have a lot of new things coming out and they really have a lot of exciting features coming out, including uh, some news items we're going to talk about. But right now, uh, my last experience with KDE Neon, I did a live show with, I installed KDE Neon from scratch, like it was just a bare install. I installed OBS and uh, I forget something else to uh, actually record the uh, Chrome to record the video. And I did a live show testing it out, uh, customizing it the way I would want. And I had so many crashes during the live install, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this! Like it was it was unlike any other KD experience I've had before because 90% of the time when I ran KD Neon, it was solid. And when it was 5.9.4 or something like that, three, one of those. And it was just, it was not a good experience. And since then, I have like switched over to Gnome and not switched over completely, but I'm actually enjoying running it, enjoying, you know, Digging into it and seeing all the new features of it. And I'm not saying I won't be back to KD, but uh, right now, I don't know, Rob. I, I don't, I, to answer your question, I don't know what's going on with it that I'm not running it. It's just something in my mind, I guess. What you and I didn't talk
2: about this, but what we discovered in ha- having our chats and stuff is that neither one of us have run KDE for some time and the last time okay so before I put MX-16 on the home computer I keep Antiragos on a flash drive like just for so do the I. purpose you know so I I thought okay now I'm just gonna put entergos KDE on there yep. the family the family likes KDE they can navigate it you know they feel comfortable with it right Rocco I, I installed it install was fine everything was just fine but the fonts out of the blue, the fonts look like crap. And I don't know if it's because KDE, something in their update. I don't know what caused that. I went in to fine tune them, you know, and and made all of the adjustments that I typically make. Yep. And I couldn't, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And everything I did, man, I, the fonts looked horrible. And, and so when I put um, MX-16 on there, here's
1: xfce's fonts blowing away the kde fonts yep i don't know man i had a comment on a video saying did they did they fix and they were talking on the intergos video did they fix the font rendering and then another guy came in and said oh well you know you got to do that manually but the last time i installed uh intergos i didn't have a problem KD, with the fonts but maybe there's something going on lately that uh it's getting messed yeah. up
2: Yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to sidetrack you there. It just came to me that it's all good (laughs) that we're that neither one of us have run really run KDE for a while. So
1: no, and I don't really have a good reason why, because it's a great desktop. It's got a lot of features (laughs) to me. I, I, the only thing I can pinpoint is that gnome is running. Okay. And there's no reason to switch. Right. I don't know. that sounds weird coming from me. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have to have a reason to switch, but oh, well, okay, well moving, distro, moving on, yeah, moving
2: on, Rob. <laughs> moving on. In other distro news, Zorn OS 12 Lite beta adopts XFCE as a default desktop environment instead of LXDE. So, uh, you know, here we are talking more about XFCE. So this is, you know, for those of you not familiar with Zorn, it's an Ubuntu based distro. Um, and you know, they, they state here, especially on the light version, you know, it runs well on low spec machines, um, fairly recent kernel, but more stable at 4.8. Um, and it's also based off of Ubuntu 16.04 long-term support. So, um, that would be one to keep your eye on there, but it's interesting. You, you see a lot of distros now, uh,
1: focusing in on XFCE that to me is a shock that they would go with uh, <laughs> xfce i don't i don't know why they would though why would you switch from xfce to uh, for, from lxd to xfce i mean I, they said about the the customization but i on yeah. a uh, on a level that they're looking at when they're creating it seems to me like on a user level maybe xfce is easier to customize but i would think I, that from a developer level lxd would probably be just as easy or yeah i I would
2: say on the maybe on the developer side but it may be on the user side right where you know
1: okay sure well rob (laughs) have you ever wanted to encrypt folders on say you were running kde all the time (laughs) well last (laughs) last show we talked about encryption and i don't encrypt my home folder Uh, i don't the two guys last week uh, ryan and dustin they do But there's a new app called Plasma Vault, which makes it easy to create encrypted folders in the KDE desktop. So this is different than uh, (laughs) encrypting folders for super-duper double protection. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That could be a whole different commercial. (laughs) But... uh, you basically tell it what folders you want to encrypt and it will encrypt them for you. And you can, I get the idea is that it may be more secure because you can do it folder by folder. Yeah. So you don't have to, un, like when you encrypt your home folder, once you enter the password, your whole home folder is encrypted or unencrypted with this. You un—you can unencrypt one at a time. So, well, and that's by what
2: I, now see, that's where I would be, um, that that's where I would be more interested in one folder. You know, maybe I've got some sensitive info pricing and things for work that I'd never want to get into the hands of my competition, for example, you know? And so I would just want to encrypt that one folder. So that's where I think it's really handy.
1: Well, now you can do that. That's right. Only on a
2: KDE desktop though. (laughs) Well, another reason to take a look at uh, KDE for sure. So always a reason to look at KDE. Well, that's true. That's true. So, Rocco, there's a new PPA for Ubuntu 17.10 users to test the latest kernels. So, for example, kernel 4.11. So, they've made that
1: convenient for you? Well, on the surface, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but there are issues out there with different hardware that I have talked to people about that they need the latest kernel for, and this gives them the, the ability to just easily install... Four point eleven, and not have to worry about it. I know that it's a test kernel, but still, if you're if you've got some graphics card or some right. thing that you need that's only available in four point eleven, you know, you definitely want to run it. So,
2: yep, yep. Well, coming up too is something that you're experiencing firsthand here on the Ubuntu desktop. So, if you want to dig into that, because we talked about it earlier with Dash to Dock.
1: Well. The poll has come back, or the survey results have come back for uh, from Canonical default. And I'm not going. We don't have time to go through all of these, but basically, the clear winner is Dash to Doc. There's no question yeah. about it. Dash <laughs> to Doc true. is like. And what's surprising to me was when you read the article from Ubuntu, they didn't. They say that it's just because that one of these is popular, say, like Dash to Doc, doesn't necessarily mean that it's still not going to make it. It may not make it by default in Ubuntu GNOME 17.10. They're they're just trying to get a feel for what's going on, and maybe they'll say, hey, this this extension works great. It's going to be default in Ubuntu GNOME. So Top Icons Plus was another one. That, uh, and that is yeah. definitely a must-have. There is no doubt.
2: In fact, <laughs> how many times we've said why in the world
1: is that not a default setup? I mean... That should be default. I'm sorry. if, if The Dash to Dock is a preference. Yeah. The Top Icons Plus is not a preference. That's something no, that that's <laughs> should just automatically be there, so
2: i still you know it you know so your system tray icons are going to show up in that little lower left out of place it's it's so just stuck there it's like oh it's like it was a second thought you know yeah um i i just it blows my mind so if that extensions and set all of this stuff up doesn't mean that everybody would either a know how to do that or b want to take the time to do that so ubuntu if any of you developers are listening just put some of those simple uh simple things in place and just make it easier for your users and i think that'll go a long way into your acceptance as you transition over
1: into GNOME. right Just my take. Just your take. Well, like I said. But Rocco agrees with me. I think top icons (laughs) plus probably, to be honest with you, should be more default than Dash to Doc. I would agree. I mean, it's just a, it's something that should just be there. So rather than beating a dead horse, we'll move on to some better news. All right. Firefox. I am not using Firefox, Rob. I haven't used Firefox in probably, I don't know, a year, maybe, maybe, maybe less than that, but it's been a long time since I used Firefox. Now it's installed and I have it on, but it's not my, uh, not my daily browser. Well, it's not mine either, but it continues to amaze me
2: how Firefox is still the default browser of choice
1: in most distros. It has a, it has a following Rob that, if you're running Firefox still, you most likely probably won't switch, just the yeah. way it is. If you're still running Firefox and you and you don't want to run Chrome or Chromium, Vivaldi and all of the other ones are really not going to pull you away from Firefox because you're using Firefox for specific reasons, whether you like the add-on system or the About Config system where you can go in and, and change settings around, or you just don't want to use a Chromium-based browser. so. Right. But there's good news for you guys. Absolutely, Rocco. So
2: now Mozilla's got a multi-process support version of Firefox. Uh, This is version 54. And, um, you know, this is pretty big news, actually, because you're talking about significant increases in speed. And um, there's uh, going to be some differences there for people who are using this with an Ubuntu, Rocco, if you'd talk about that for a minute. But for the rest of us, we should be noticing uh, as you install this uh, greatly improved speeds.
1: Well, according to this article on OMG Ubuntu, if you have the um, Ubuntu modifications add on installed, which that comes by default in most distributions, when most Ubuntu distributions, when you have Firefox installed or pre installed, it comes with the Ubuntu modifications add on. You got to disable that in order to allow the new multi-process uh, part of the Firefox to work. So maybe that'll be changed. Maybe that'll be updated, and it, you won't have to do that. But right now, uh, you have to disable them and restart the browser, and then the multi-process uh, settings will be available. And I'll tell you what, this is something that they've needed for a long, a long, long time, time, man. I mean, yep. Chromium's been doing this. Chrome has been doing this for I don't know how long, and you see, you see even like desktop environments are picking up this whole multi-process thing where you computers you have to have a multi-process uh, yep. service, otherwise you're going to have one slow. Uh, buggy uh, software whether it's a desktop environment whether it's a browser or whatever it is you have to look ahead and and have this available for your program or for your software
2: yeah it'll be using less memory Um, they go on to talk about their uh, project quantum to take full advantage of modern hardware ultimately their goal is to be the fastest Fox first came on the scene i remember thinking now this is what a browser should be but Rocco, that was a long time ago you know <laughs> so, well, so and they've they've fallen behind the eight ball so to see this i think is yeah. super exciting you know
1: well they have they like you said they they came on the scene and they had a lot of great features that people loved and that's why everybody went to it yeah but they've kind of like been stagnant not as far as you know security So this is good to see. Yeah,
2: well, it'll be fun to mess around with some other other changes or additions. They have simplified the download button and the download status panel, um, various security fixes. They've moved the mobile bookmarks folder to the main bookmarks menu for easier access. And that was one thing that well, I have used it you know, off and on because it's pre-installed in so many distros. And then that was one of the things that I'd always shake my head and go, this is the most you know, asinine bookmark system (laughs) because Chrome makes it so simple, you know. um, Chrome and Chromium, it's so simple. And then you go back to Firefox and it's like all over the place. So I think some of those changes are,
1: were warranted. So it'll be good to see. I would just like to see how much of a real world difference it actually makes. Yeah. I haven't used it, so we'll have to wait and see, but hopefully it makes a big difference.
2: Yep, absolutely.
1: All right, Rob, did you ever... Um did you ever run out of battery on your mouse? Do you have a wireless mouse? I do, yes. Did the battery ever run out on you right in the middle of this big huge presentation and you're trying to and boom, it's gone? <laughs> well,
2: no, but it you okay. know there have been inconvenient times, let me say when all of a sudden, you know, the
1: mouse battery dies. All right, I tried. But anyway, <laughs> um I am a big fan of <clears throat> excuse me, Logitech products. Yes. And most of the hardware that I have mouse, keyboards, and peripherals—are Logitech, and I actually have the G900. Oh, look at that! Nice Logitech, Logitech keyboard. <laughs> I have the G900 mouse, and it is like one of the best wireless mice. Mouse, mice out Mouses. there. Mouses, Mises. out there. Mises. <laughs> and um, the well, the one problem with it is because it is a high grade. Uh, with a high sensor uh, mouse, it runs out of battery fairly quickly for a wireless mouse. Sometimes wireless mice will run maybe a week or two with on a full charge. This will probably run a couple days, but that's because of the of all of that's in it. Well, Logitech's new system PowerPlay is a wireless charging system. So basically, this is a mouse pad that constantly charges your mouse like whether you're using it or whether you're not using it it's charging your mouse
2: i love this idea this is one of those ideas where you just you step back and you go to you you say to yourself why didn't i think of that because it's
1: it's brilliant it's absolutely awesome now like i said this the the logitech mice are already like the 900 g900 um is already high tech with the best sensor on the market Now, this won't work with the G900. You have to upgrade to the G903. And I was wondering what they would do. What would Logitech come out with next? Because they're pretty much at the top of their game when you're buying high-end gaming uh, items. So this is what they've come out with. So it's got an integrated wireless receiver uh, at the back of the mouse pad. So you plug the USB into that, and you can get a cloth surface or a hard surface. Uh, It has enough power to charge the mouse while using it. So even if the mouse was dead, like say you moved and you unpacked your computer and you put it on the the, uh, desktop, you could put your mouse down and start using it because it has enough power to charge the mouse using it and still charge it. So (laughs) now it will take a longer period of time to charge. So you have about two hours of charge time if you're just charging it through the USB. But it'll be 14 hours to charge it fully, uh, fully charged from the mouse pad itself. But the cool thing about it is you can use it while it's charging. So it's not a big deal that it's going to take 14 hours to charge this mouse because you're using it as it's charging. I think it's awesome, dude.
2: It is great. I wonder if you could slide the lip of your keyboard over onto the mouse pad and, <laughs> and have that charge.
1: <laughs> hey, you know that may be one of their next things. You never know; they may come out with a wireless keyboard that it will charge both for. Just <laughs> that's right, man. I got to say this: you, do
2: you remember the first time you got a wireless mouse? Oh my gosh, it was years ago, man.
1: No, I don't remember it, exactly when.
2: It was a lo- yeah, for me, it was a long time ago. But I remember like standing there in the store debating should i spend the, this money just because this mouse is gonna not have a cord attached to it you know is this something that i should purchase you know and i thought yeah i gotta i gotta get this so you you know you take it home you plug it in and bam and all of a sudden it's like immediately you know <laughs> you will never go back to anything other than a wireless mouse
1: there are certain scenarios where i will use a wired mouse like i have a Another wire Logitech. I'm gonna forget what this is here. Was it uh, the G502 mouse that I use for gaming? Yeah, uh,
2: gaming. I was gonna say yeah for gaming. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. but most of the time, well, the G900 is the same sensor as the 502, so the the 900 works great as far as gaming is concerned. Um, but the other thing too that I wanted to point out of this is that uh, now that the charge, the actual charging unit is at the mouse pad, you no longer have that latency problem where sometimes you're, if you have the mouse a little bit farther away from, or the uh, charging unit a little farther away, not the charging, yeah. unit, the receiver.
2: The, the receiver, yeah. If you have
1: the receiver a little bit far away from it, it will kind of like hesitate sometimes, but you don't have that problem because the receiver is right there at the mouse. So that's that sweet. Absolutely. Well, awesome.
2: I, I know what you're getting for Christmas.
1: <laughs> well, well, the prices on these are like uh pretty high too. So like I said, you would have to not only upgrade the uh mouse, the uh mouse pad is 99.99 and then you would also yeah. have to buy a compatible uh mouse which is either the what is it here, the G903 or the G703. So Yeah, it it may cost you some money, but it's it's the it's the top end, dude. If that's what you want, that's what you're going to pay.
2: Give give it a year, you know, until they're copied, and then the prices will come down. So,
1: all right, well, we have an interview coming up, Rob. What do we have? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to be interviewing
2: the Ubuntu Budgie guys, Rocco, and I, for one, am looking forward to this. Um, you know, uh, that's something you have tried. I myself, I still have to install that up and give it a go, but, uh, looking forward to that.
1: Yep. So we will be interviewing, uh, Dustin and David from Ubuntu Budgie. So let's get to it. Okay. So we have two guys from Ubuntu Budgie here. Uh, Dustin, you were here with us last week. You are a system administrator.
3: Yeah, that's my trade.
1: And we have David, who is the project founder and leader of Ubuntu Budgie. Welcome.
0: Uh, Thank you, Rocco, and thank you for having me.
1: All right, so before we get into Budgie, um, everybody that comes on the show, we ask, where and when did you start out in Linux?
0: Oh, there's a question for you. (laughs) I'm a little (laughs) timer really I, I started way back when uh it was ubuntu 17.10 days that was uh sort of gutsy and then moving into hardy so um, I, I was playing around back then i had enough of, a sort of windows xp and that sort of stuff and uh I was like, well, what this newfangled thing, and I saw this this um, this Ubuntu thing on, on my magazine disk. It was a sort of a PC Mag that I I used to have, and so I sort of tried it and uh, found a whole bunch of issues that I couldn't um, I couldn't uh, see the graphics, I couldn't see the audio, and said, "What's all this business about?" And that's what, to be honest, that really got me hooked because I I loved actually sorting out all those those things, um. And back then, the the internet wasn't great f- for things, but uh, there was a great forum forum I found was called something called the uh, the Ubuntu forums, and uh, that's where I sort of jumped in, um, stayed there for many years, finding all sorts of different things, and uh, yeah, that's where I I come from, from from my my Linux background. Okay, so do you have a uh, developer
1: background outside of Linux?
0: Oh, my day job, my paying job, yes. Um, I work for a company called uh, DXC, formerly HPE, formerly EDS. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a systems engineer by training. Um, I work on pretty large, um, diverse systems, and uh, uh, but it's more sort of an office-based system there. This is uh, 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 my uh, a first time where uh, I encounter and uh, have a team working with me all over the world, literally all over the world. Um, it's a a great challenge and good fun. That's awesome. All right. So
1: you're into development. What makes you start Ubuntu Budgie? I mean, were you sitting there one day and decide, well, I just want to make my own distro. How, how does that work?
0: Uh, it didn't, actually. It was a, I was knocking around. Uh, um, I was having a look around, and I saw this little article. I forgot what magazine it, it was there. It was about a, um, a, a, a desktop called Budgie Desktop. I never heard of that one before way back when. And this is um, sort of December 2015. And I think what happened was Aikidohidi is you know, just sort of revamped things and just a, I'd done a, another relaunch of this desktop. And it's the first time I heard about it. And I said, Oh, I'll give this a try. Never tried to sort of compile anything myself before because everything I had it installed for me. So I had a go, made it work. Um, Um, on a, I think it was a softpedia, um, Google Plus thing from a, a certain Mark Shuttleworth, and uh, he mentioned, um, in his little notes, ah, uh, if uh, if anybody wanted to um, have a go at um, putting this officially into Ubuntu, I would um, love to sponsor it. And uh, so well, give it a try, i never done it before. <laughs> Um <laughs> and you accepted the challenge. <laughs>
1: I tried. <laughs> and you did it. And you were accepted as a uh,
0: core flavor, right? Yeah, it was it was a, it was a big challenge because this was back in February there. This is just before the 1604 launch there. Um and I thought to myself, "Go on. How, how difficult can it be? Can I launch something at the same time as 1604 Ubuntu?" <laughs> Oh, that was hard work. (laughs) And I I pushed out a really rough and ready um, ISO. And I thought, well, it's just going to be one of those things that everybody does, don't they? Just get lost in the midst of time. Strangely enough, quite a few people uh, noticed my article I I posted there. and uh, um, That's where I met a, a couple of colleagues there that are still on the team. And they've been with me all the way, all through, all the way through this journey as well. That's Ham, um, Hex, and Hodara.
1: So your core team that you picked up, you just picked up on along the way, people helping out.
0: Absolutely, I've met many people on the way. Um, people are sort of um, dipped in and dipped out, um, but uh, yeah, we've got a couple of um, core people that's been all the way through through there. Um, Dustin has obviously joined um, in just after the, uh, our, um, our main launch there. And uh, uh, Nicholas is, has is joined us halfway through our 16.04 part of the fence, And uh, NIAS uh, joined also at a similar sort of time. But, uh, yeah, um, met uh, quite a lot of people uh, along the way. Good challenge. Good fun.
1: Okay. So... You have Budgie that's from Solus. What are the core differences between Ubuntu Budgie and Solus?
0: Oh, that's an unfair question. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way, um, uh, and I'm not being politically correct, but one thing that's often confused n- nowadays is is the the idea that Budgie desktop, desktop is from Solus what what's happened is there's been a big reorganization now. And Solus itself, along with Ubuntu Budgie and Arch and Manjaro and all of those things are sort of effectively now downstream to the, the Budgie desktop organization. Um, so we're Ubuntu Budgie is part of the official um, organization there. So um, so in many ways, we're all part of the same family. That, that, that's a good thing. We all share the, 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 the same desktop. Um, but the key things, I suppose, from my view, which was why I'm I um, developing via Ubuntu, is is the huge ecosystem in um, Ubuntu that, that we've got there. Um, we've got a, a massive community do help each other out and it's it's just great to have Ubuntu budgie as part of that overall big family
1: okay so what would you consider to be Ubuntu budgie's standout features or or maybe even your favorite part of ubuntu budgie?
0: i think my my favorite part right at this moment is the, the welcome screen is is one of those things you often have users who sort of dip in and want to understand what this uh, distro is all about and unless you've got somebody really committed to to have a look around one thing that often i've Find that always irked me is that you just wanted information all about what the distro there. You wanted an easy way of installing some software. You want an easy way of finding about out about the, and the, the the distro. And I think Buddy Welcome is launched on 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 boot up of the, of the ISO. It's launched on first login, and it takes you through trying to set up your 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 system exactly how you want it. Um, and it really just hold hand holds you through the whole process, just to enable you to get a real running start of your of your your system. Just to tailor it the way you want it. That's what I think um, I um, I think is is a, a great part of the butter
3: Quick question. Have, uh, have you guys run a, across a bunch of other distros that are running welcome screens? Like I know, obviously besides Martin and Mate, but I've noticed that there's a bunch of forks of it and I haven't seen it out there, but is it maybe just because I haven't had exposure?
0: Well, um, we forked ours from Ubuntu Mate and Mate, uh, forked theirs from Antegros and, uh, I think they forked it from somebody else. Um, But where I have seen, uh, distros have tried, they, they haven't done it very well. Unfortunately, that what they've done is sort of, um, open up a window with a whole bunch of web links to let this, that and the other. Nothing Mm -hmm. particularly integrated. Um, and I don't think that gives a really good experience to the, to the new user. That's why I like, um, the way we've, we've developed um, Ubuntu, uh, the Ubuntu Budgie and welcome app. Well, I think the the welcome screen
1: is one of the best things about Ubuntu Budgie. And it's something that, you like you said, gets overlooked by new users that, or I should say by the users that are used to Linux. They run by a welcome screen and ah, who cares, but that's something that makes first impressions on people when they first see the distro and the budgie welcome screen has pretty much everything that you need in a welcome screen. And I was, you know, there's one feature that I particularly love is the reset to defaults. Um, That's something that is absolutely awesome when you start customizing things and then you don't, you know, you realize, Hey, I want to put it back to the way it was. That's that's something that's invaluable to somebody that doesn't know all the ins and outs of customizing.
3: The, uh, the other great thing too, and kind of a pattern I've noticed and, and like when we go through, uh, well, we predominantly David, cause he's usually first to uh, respond on a lot of the support stuff. A lot of times it's really great because you can just sort of point people back to the welcome screen to even repair some of the issues. them uh, a great intro back into that thing when they realize oh wait I can go back in there and I can accomplish x y and z and then they might actually start poking around and and come across some of the other gems that are in there um, and just realize it's you know it's a great source of not only information but functionality you know one of the like even my favorite thing in there one of them is the ability just to tune for the VMs where you can kill a lot of the animations and such right out of one little button. And then you don't really have to go hunting for it. And, and it's just way, 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 way beneficial when you're running things either in a VM or remote or anything like that. So like that's just one great little gem in there.
1: Yeah, but it does exactly what it's designed to do. Not just be a welcome screen, but be an easy way for people who don't know how to do certain things be an easy way to like you said one button you click off animations if somebody has a computer that may be not up to specs in uh, the actual specs of it they can take <laughs> the animations off and not worry about it and not have to go through three different places to find it so now i
0: think the uh, budgie welcome screen is pretty awesome myself yeah. um, uh, we've got some really exciting things coming up for um, 17.10 as well um, so straight out of the, the welcome screen, as you've been guided through, we've, we're going to be. Layout of your, of your system there. So you can set it up in a sort of a, a classic budgie way of working, or you can have an Ubuntu budgie way of working, or dare I say it, a Windows where you're working, <laughs> we have a dot at the bottom. Um, and also we've, we've, um, been looking more sort of customizability of it there. So as, as soon as you, you defined your layout there, um, a lot of people like to um, define their own themes and their colors and the icons and cursors and things like that. So we, we've been looking at that and we're just having these sort of ideas where you take through your, la- your, your layouts and your themes and your icons all one click um, and you set it up really, really quickly. And that's, that, that's what's um, I think is, is look, looking quite nice for, for 17.10. We're making good progress on that.
3: It's also nice because it kind of comes back to some of the same default stuff. Um, this is something that I'm always a big proponent of is just any operating system where you can get up and running quickly is, is a benefit. Like not everyone wants to sit there and kind of hammer out every little tweak in a manual way and try to get up and have it exactly right. Whereas I find something that you've done a good job of is just like out of the box. It's saying you don't need to do a lot to it. And then if you do want to do something, it's pretty easy to do. And as as, uh, we've discussed, it's like it's one click. So even the theming options I find are pretty great because they're again, same defaults. There's good choices. And it's one button to apply everything across the board. Again, with a same default. So you don't really have to mess around and hobble it together. However, you can if you really so desire, you know, like there's still the flexibility there, but you can also get back to wherever you want pretty quick.
1: Okay. So moving forward, um, cute or cutie, never know how to pronounce that. Cute. cute. I say cute. (laughs) So Budgie is switching to cute. Uh, so, how does that affect Ubuntu Budgie, or does it even affect it at all?
0: <laughs> A lot of people get confused when we, um, when people, when people say um, we're switching to cute. Um, what we're talking about there is really the pixels on the screen. It's, it's, it is that what. What people think that what we're going to do is sort of change wholesale. We're going a, a big KDE types type thing with all the KDE apps and other stuff like that. Not really. All we're talking about there is really the the bar at the top will stay to be the bar at the top. It's just in the back end. It's been um, programmed with Qt. Um, the um, the applications themselves will be the the, the standard great. Um, and GNOME suite that we we have already there, so no, I don't w- w- cute, going cute won't affect the end users if, if it's done correct, and it will be done correct. The end users won't notice the, the 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 main difference. They will look and feel and work just exactly the same. The advantage of going cute is obviously really taking out the 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 back end stuff the things that people don't quite realize is 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 there that's working that is really hard to integrate because obviously gnome are, are looking after their own um, desktop shell home shell um and it's fully integrated with the so as they as and when they move forward it's unfortunately uh, budgie struggles to keep up and and I can see why, um, IKE and the budget desktop organization is moving in that direction. It just allows it, the, the desktop to evolve in its own independent, um, space and pace. And I think that's, it'd be a great advantage to, to, um, all concerned, all, all users of the desktop.
3: Something else that uh, David was smart to look on really early is kind of how the GTK apps and the CUTE desktop are going to kind of work together from a look and feel. Um, my impression and, and probably a great thing is is that we have to make sure that the applications don't look out of place, that they don't look like they're you know bolted on, they're an afterthought or anything like that. So. Um, You essentially don't even want to realize that you're running two different sort of sets of technologies in the back end between your applications and what your desktop might be rendered out with.
1: Well, my question is, does it pose a lot more work to switch over um, and make those apps look like they're, they're supposed to be there that way?
0: Well, Fortunately, the way it's going, we've got some great third-party developers out there who are sort of, um, looking at this area there, and we, we made a great start in seventeen oh four, where we we did the configuration and changes there to when you do install um, Qt or Qt-based apps, there it look exactly the same as the standard GNOME apps and as, as well. Um, so what we're doing is sort of uh, looking at it in sort of reverse there making sure that the gnome apps themselves, the, the theming options behind there work exactly the same way and look look and feel exactly in, in place there so is it going to be more work? No I don't think it's going to be work um more work there there's been um, there's some great work happening upstream in this area as well um and by the time we go, cute um i think there'll be some really nice solutions out there to to make thing make sure everything fits and feels exactly how um people are using it today well from what i heard um
1: i don't believe it's even started yet the switch over to cute it's going to be starting soon
3: q2
0: they are still well we're right. at the like, end the, of it so i mean yeah the fair, fair, <laughs> third party the, where's where, the the Cute company in themselves aren't going that particular way. The way um, Ike and uh, his um, theming um, developers are, are talking about, they 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 believe that they can actually make the the, the desktop itself feel thoroughly integrated with with the GNOME you know, um, applications as well. As well. Um, so yeah, uh, good faith on that note fast that will happen that really does depend on um, what's happening upstream in the budget desktop organization so um, it's still early days there so we've got um, another release of uh, the budget desktop coming for 17.10 and um, we haven't yet made our decision what was going to happen for 1804 that's 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 12 less than 12 months down the line there so um, we do, we have to remember that as well, that, um, that's a, a potentially an, a long-term support release. So we have to make a, a decision, probably October time, which direction that we want to go for that particular reset. Do we want to, to see, um, to go on a Qt based desktop? If it's, is available at that time, or if it's coming in much later, do we want to, um, keep using the, the tried and tested? and really polish up the um, the GTK based um, desktop. That's a decision that we 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 have to make and we have to make that decision within the next 4 to 6 months. Have you been leaning any specific way on that? Um not really what we are we are dependent of is on the upstream as well. Um and it is extremely early days there we've all just seen um, some pictures some an initial bit of code as well as being pushed out. But um, there isn't really a, a desktop as such that that's based on Qt. Um, so it is really too early to, to say which, which direction are we going to take at this moment?
3: Yeah, I guess that's a bit of a magic eight ball on that one when you got nothing to look at. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> okay. So um, the, as Dustin had pointed out before, the one thing that drives Ubuntu Budgie, in my opinion, is the sane defaults. So how do you go about picking the defaults or are they incorporated into the desktop already and you just go with what's there?
0: If you look at um, Ubuntu Budgie and the way it's developed, it was developed, um, in many ways, the way the early 1604 community, um, wanted it. So they, they, they were um, asking for certain applications. They wanted a certain way those applications work. Um, in terms of the desktop is, itself, they decided that they didn't particularly want the, the default layout itself. They wanted to um, work with, um, a, a, a dot bar so we chose plank um, um, and those sort of things there um, so we, we, we've been working with the community there and, and the, the desktop has evolved in that direction so it, it's not a traditional classic budgie um, desktop as, as such as I mentioned before Really, as soon as you log in, you you're going to be presented with that option. say, so what what do you want to see? How do you want that layout to be to, to, to set up? Um, and you can decide yourself what you you want, rather than us out, out of the box just saying, "Well, this is what you've got. Just use it. Customize it afterwards."
1: Well, I think that's something that that lacks in most welcome screens out there. Number one, you have the welcome screens that, uh, like you had said, don't really do much of anything besides give you a couple links to forums and IRC chat. And then you have the more polished ones like yours and Ubuntu Mate's uh, welcome screen. So the welcome screen itself is something that is the first thing that people will see. It's the thing that will help them through getting their desktop set up. And the one thing that people, in my opinion, want to set up on their desktop the most is not just, uh, you know, additional drivers and stuff like that. That's important, but how it interacts with them and what it looks like. So that would be awesome features to put in there to, you know, hey, where's the panel going to be? You know, what theme do I want to use? What icons do I want to use? Because those are those are that's an area where no other welcome screen really has right now. So I think that would be
0: awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to um, introducing that in seventeen o ten. But while I'm saying it, we'll introduce it, of course, um, some, some eagle-eyed 17.04 and 16.04 users there will probably have noticed that um, we've been pushing out updates as we've been moving through as well. So they people have been getting updates early. We'll be getting a lot of feedback as well. And the, the idea, it, it is a, a bit of, Give and take. We, we need that feedback, and so as we develop, so and as we polish up what our um, 17.10 dot ten releases. Yeah, um, we got some good stuff there that um, people are, if uh, they are looking, they can see and use it. Um, but for the new users of 17.10, ten, obviously that this is going to be, um, I think it's going to be a, a, a good way of introducing the whole desktop, and, and so and making sure it fits in their workflow the way they want to use a desktop. So what is your main thrust as far as the community? You talk about
1: the community. Is that forums? Is that uh, a Google plus community? What, what is that?
0: Fortunately now I, I was persuaded um, and I was a little bit dubious there um, of um, Facebook as well as um, G plus. Cause I was, I, I've always been a, a G plus type user Um but the what I'm surprised is that our, our Facebook um, group um, and the number of users has absolutely exploded. Um, so a combination of G the uh, and the, the Facebook community are have sort of given us um, feedback, and we we're giving them options via polls and. Um, pushing out um, ideas themselves and we're trying to get that, that feedback as well. That's the, that's the way we sort of interact with um, users of Ubuntu Budgie.
3: The uh, the other thing to throw in there too is a lot of the uh, support comes in through the uh, Gitter application, uh, which is just, you know, it's another chat sort of thing, like a hip chat, Telegram kind of thing. So there's uh, predominantly a lot of support there. But we have open discussions as to what that aspect's going to look like going forward. Like, is it best to have it in there? Maybe, you know, we pull it out into a forum. Maybe we piggyback on the Ubuntu forums. We've just sort of hanging around some of those ideas right now, trying to figure out sort of what's the best way to interact and give people the access they need and and the help they want, and maybe even leverage the larger Ubuntu community to do so.
1: Okay, so how can people you know, say I'm a developer and I want to contribute to Ubuntu Budgie.
0: How can I go about doing that? Uh, it's really straightforward. All our um, all our code is is um, out in the open. It's all on uh, GitHub itself. Um, we've got an organization on GitHub called Ubuntu Budgie. Um, you can See all the issues that we've got there. As uh, Dustin mentioned, that um, we've got our GitHub chat room. Um, we have had a, a lot of interesting chats with um, potential developers as well to, to just come in and have a chat with anybody or, uh, within the team. Um, you don't have to be a developer in many ways. Um, one of the things that we're um, pushing out in, in the next uh, week or so are fairly straightforward things that um, we, we find time-consuming to such as taking screenshots, feeding that into the Welcome app, uh, feeding that onto the website. Um, really um we have our web uh, wallpaper uh, contest coming up there um an easy way of um, of getting um, your your best photos and stuff like that onto the desktop is really just to contribute contribute that way see what we, the budget is open to all sorts of people it's not just people who, who cut code itself as well
3: the uh the other aspect too is like there's the translations through trans Effect. like uh we we got that going somewhat recently there's been a bunch of stuff coming in through translations there's also a bunch of other things like there's still packaging there's still you know website work it could be uh things even as simple as like proofreading and and, and making spelling corrections you know it's anything that Code. I, I don't have enough of a skill set in the bigger picture to do a lot of that. So, you know, you can get involved in pretty much any way that you want.
1: So, but you also have a, a Patreon page. You have uh, you have multiple ways on the website to contribute
0: financially if you can. Uh, yes, Um the, we raise uh, money via the website um, uh, PayPal and Patreon. Um, we just opened a, a, a way of Bitcoin as well, if you, if you want to contribute in um, Bitcoin stuff there. Um, what do we do with the money um, that people um, uh, donate? Well, several ways, in, in many ways. So we, we've got, obviously, it's a, a, an open source um, desktop, our distro doesn't mean it's free for us to, to use. Um, I think we've got our own bills to pay as well. We've got our, our website bills, server-based bills uh, that we have to pay. Um, that's the sort of thing that the money goes towards. But over on top of that, we're also uh, looking to um, give back to to developers that um, help has helped us all um, through um, as, as well. We've just recently given... Um, a small donation to one of our key de- um, developers there who helped us out right in the, in the early days to actually launch 1604. We were pr- um, pretty um, impressed with what um, what he did. Um, and um, we were glad to just give a, a little bit um, of uh, money just to help him um, out on his own particular distro as well. So we, we, that's the sort of thing that um, the, the money goes towards.
1: Well, I think that's an awesome way to distribute the money, not just for bills, but to give back to people around the community that have given in. So I think that's pretty awesome. All right. So you talked one or two things about uh, what's coming up. So what what does lie ahead for the future of Ubuntu Budgie?
0: Immediately is obviously um, coming up. We uh, also Ubuntu works on, on fixed time timeframes there. So everything's laid out on when things um, happen. So our immediate um, uh, date that we're working to to is mid-August, when is the feature freeze. What that means is that we all the key bits and pieces of the desktop should be really there or thereabouts, um, and thereafter we should be just looking at bug fixing and polishing. That's, that, that's our key date is, is mid-August. Obviously, October will be our release date. Immediately after that is our is what we have to do is apply to the uh, technical board. And this is our first application here of um, requesting, if we are if we feel um, that we can do it, of um, applying for um, LTS status. Um, that's not automatically given. We have to convince the technical board that we have a uh, viable distro with a growing community. And we, we have to sh- demonstrate that what we've been doing over these um, releases there, that we've been meeting the goals of Ubuntu as, as well. We've been meeting the, the timescales um, and that's the sort of thing. So that's an application that we have to make soon after the 17.10 release there. And if accepted, we will work towards producing a really nice, 1804
1: release that's something new i have i didn't realize that you actually had to put an application in to be an lts uh, distro
0: absolutely yes um and we also have to um make a conscious decision of of the length of time that we want to uh to to look after the the lts one so whether it's going to be a three year or a five year uh, time scale
3: well, yeah, I always found that kind of interesting that, uh, I think a lot of people always assume that an LTS is a five year coverage. And I found that one interesting that, uh, the, the flavors can actually make that distinction and choose to do a three year term.
1: I am coming from the outside. So I'm, this is, some of this stuff is uh, pretty new to me. So yeah, I didn't know that. All right. Well, I have one last question for you. Um, who is, or, Who is the target audience for Ubuntu Budgie? Is it new users? Is it experienced
0: users? Is it everybody? Who is the target audience? It's it's targeted towards um, fairly new users. It's not brand new new users, but fairly uh, uh, new users who want to use Linux or just in investigating Linux um, but they want a more traditional way of working. So they want to work with a panel, they want to work with a menu-based system but they want to make it look good as, as well. They want to make it feel at home that it is their system and that's the way we, we are orientating to the desktop tools is making a system that works for you and um, and that's 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 what we try to aim for that is one of our goals
1: well i think that uh you have hit the mark on having a modern looking desktop geared towards people who you know dustin had touched on it before where you can just install the system and you can just basically start to work you don't need to customize everything because the defaults are so good that you can just start doing what you what you normally do, and I think that's where uh, Ubuntu Budgie hits the mark. Thank you, Rocky. Do does any of you have anything you else you want to share? You want people to know about?
0: Uh, Dustin, you want to talk about your your Snap project? And the- oh, sure.
3: Yeah, that's actually a good point. So right now, uh, I've just started doing some preliminary work uh, on Snaps just to kind of figure out how they're going to fit in with uh, Ubuntu Budgie. Uh, it's obviously a big push that Canonical has going on. And so I've been starting to get involved higher up in that, more on the Snapcraft forums and trying to understand how we can make it work for us. Uh, One of the things even David did a little bit of work on this was trying to figure out how to snap up the Budgie applets, the panel applets. Uh, There's a few technical challenges there that we're trying to work through. And I've had some contact with some people in the developer forums about uh, like overlay systems because panel, the. To sort of how snaps work because they're back in the slash snap sort of directory. So there's a few little challenges there, but there's some things coming down the pipe that will probably address that. So we're looking at that and maybe we, we could even potentially look at whether we want to snap up welcome, things like that. There's, you know, it's kind of, it, it's the direction that canonical is pushing and we're trying to evaluate how it's going to fit in with us and, and what and how and where we would snap if anything.
1: Okay. Coming from a person that's not you know, completely familiar with snaps, what exactly mm-hmm. are you referring to when you say working on the snaps? Like, I notice in the welcome screen, you have an area where you can install snap support or flat packs already. I think flat packs already installed.
3: Yeah. So, sorry, uh, creating the snaps, we're not talking about the underlying system to utilize snaps. We're talking about packaging software as a snap. Um, so, to the be used process. Anywhere? In theory. Yeah. I mean, if it's in the snap store, you can install it. So anything that anyone snapped up, regardless of whether it's part of Ubuntu budgie or canonical itself or any other dish or flavor, you can utilize it because it's contained. Right. And the. I'm going to call them repos, but they call them stores. Uh, You can run it that way. The work, uh, that people put in and part of the packaging flow, they just end up in that store that you can search, you know, from the command line or whether there's a, I know there's some websites that help you kind of figure out what you want to install, but it's pretty much snap install package name. And it's, it's very straightforward And the packaging process. While fairly early, I would say is easier to grasp than traditional Debian packaging as a whole. Uh, not, necessarily better for certain things but it's it, it's much easier i'd say it's not even necessarily easier it's more approachable at the high level um so we're just looking at again like i mentioned how it's going to fit in what we're going to use utilize it for it seems to be a little more popular for user land meaning like applications like if you wanted to install i don't know telegram right you know, that would be like, once you have the snap built updating, it's fairly straightforward. It, the more the investigation comes in on the initial build. And I mean, even that could be said of like Debian packaging too, because once you have like your watcher files set up and everything like that, I mean, it's a couple of commands and, and sort of away you go, but the, I don't know, I find the snap method just a little more approachable and that might be a beneficial thing for newer people coming into packaging because there's a lot of, Uh, a lot less of sort of the legacy I'm going to call it legacy cruft behind Debian packaging and, and not implying that it's, it's worse. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, there, there's more to it. Right. As um, David could easily attribute to. And I mean, I'm usually bugging him quite a bit for the Debian stuff that I've been attempting to do. And uh, so I've, you know, there's a lot of work to be done there and with snaps and it seems to be one of the more, uh, it's just the way it's kind of going, or it appears to be going. It's a little early to tell, I mean, if you want to debate snaps, flat packs. But,
0: but I see the, the the key thing behind snaps is to break down this idea that once you push out the release, you have to wait for six months for something new to come along. That's one of the key things I, I see for Snap, because effectively what you're doing there is – Producing something that is that is is readily updatable and people can get the the latest stuff really easy straight out straight out of a store you, you click installs um, it will self update that sort of thing there from an end user point of view um, it it will make you um, give you um, access to software. Um, very straightforward in a timely manner um, and it break down this this idea of everything on freeze um, for the next six months as you're waiting for the next release.
3: The uh, the other aspect to Snaps too that's very interesting too is the fact that they're transactional, which means that if you install some sort of update, I mean, in theory, depending on what the application is and how it's contained, uh, you can actually roll back to the previous version fairly easily. So that's another big... Uh, Uh, benefit to it and because of the fact that they're contained you can install something as a test and when you blow it away or uninstall it you get rid of all those um again because it's contained you get rid of all those dependencies it's much cleaner to even just do testing of applications in the short term so there's there's a lot of benefit in that aspect as well so how far do you No, <laughs> not yet. I mean, it's too, because I mean, snaps are still under active development.
1: Well, I mean, in just the future, I'm talking, looking down the road, do you see that as a option or is that just not what it's intended for? Uh,
3: I in I mean, in theory, it's an option uh, because they can always add the feature sets that they need to make it more approachable for the system base is that I don't know if that's necessarily the goal of what snaps are. Um the impression I get today is that it's more user application current on top of sort of a stable base. You know, if you look at snaps in conjunction with an LTS, it becomes very appealing because your applications can be modern. You know, that's, that's why a lot of people even like things like the arch, because, you know, you're, you can get pretty much anything that's bleeding edge. And as people start packaging in the snap format, and more applications become available, you sort of get that same sort of like the Arch user repository. Like it's, it's approachable for a developer, whether they're a Linux user or not to actually build these applications and keep it up to date with uh, like a lower barrier to entry with uh, less maintenance. Um, It's easier to keep on top of it, you know, and it solves some of the questions of how do I do this? Because, it's fairly contained in what you actually need to do. If you're a developer and you understand your build process, like if you do in the traditional, you know, make make install, and you understand that you can leverage auto tools as a plugin in snaps, then it it's really straightforward to create a snap. You know, it's what maybe some of the edge cases might be a little more difficult, but it's it's much much more approachable, and that's the big selling point to me. And if they keep pushing it to be cross distro, that's also uh, a good thing because then again the developers like okay what's what's your biggest what's, what's your lowest barrier of entry to getting software package that's going to have the most touch I think that's why traditionally Ubuntu has been fairly successful and why a lot of developers target you know even doing traditional packaging because Ubuntu is everywhere everybody's making these packages therefore a lot of people tend to use and target Ubuntu and so if you're just beginning out, you can just sort of add your hat to the pool and sort of keep going. But with snaps as the support for snaps becomes, um, you know, reaches the other distros as well, it's beneficial to the entire ecosystem because now as a developer, you can create one snap and your touch just goes even beyond what Ubuntu is, which I think is a good thing, you know, cause then you get more people actually packaging for Linux which I think is really the, the high level 50,000 foot view goal. If you think about it.
1: So is there a major difference between now that we're going off of Ubuntu budgie topic, but (laughs) is there a major difference between uh, flat packs and snaps?
3: I honestly cannot speak to that because I haven't done any flat pack work. I haven't, I've chosen that in my recent, you know, Deciding to spend my time in open source. I'm trying to focus more on snaps because it makes sense and more packaging on the traditional method Because that's what's gonna give value to our project. I mean, David is Does the brunt of the work right now? so Hopefully at some point we can start alleviating some of that to give him time to kind of do other things and and focus where either a he wants to or B he needs to so That's the way I look at it anyways (laughs) Okay. Well, look,
1: guys, I really appreciate talking to you. Um, Both of you have to come back when 17.10 releases, and we will talk about all the new features of Budgie and where it's headed and whatnot. Um, But let me ask you a question before you guys leave, totally unrelated to Ubuntu Budgie. Did you ever want to buy a Linux (laughs) (laughs) T-shirt? Segway. (laughs) Segway. (laughs) No. um... A good friend of the show, Michael Tennell, has designed some t shirts, and we are not getting any profit from plugging this t shirt. I just think it's a great idea. So, well, you better
3: get a t shirt at least. No. Nah.
1: The idea is that <laughs> Linux is so widespread that everyone uses it every day, whether it's from 80%, it powers 80% of the internet, 100% of Android devices, uh, tablets, Chromebooks. So, he has designed a t shirt that says, Linux is everywhere with a little Tux logo on it. And he has, you know, there's multiple colors, uh, multiple sizes shipping to everywhere. And it's not just a t-shirt. It's a hoodie. It's a, uh, a woman's t-shirt, long sleeve t-shirt um, and a sticker as well. So you can purchase any of those. And I'm not going to send out the, say out the link cause it's too long, but teespring.com. <laughs> and I'll give a link in the uh, show notes for that. But if you're, Interested in getting some Linux, where you can go over there and purchase a t shirt or something else. The last thing I want to say is a thank you to the Patreon supporters who have already supported Destination Linux. Um, you can go to our website at destinationlinux.org and get all the info you need. You, every post will be there from the audio links to the video links to the RSS feed. Uh, contacts our email comments at destinationlinux.org if you want to email us or our telegram group uh, destinationlinux.org slash telegram so i thank you guys for being here i appreciate it i appreciate you uh carving out some time to talk to us and like i said we'll have to have you back on
0: we would love to um, we enjoyed it ourselves i'm sure don't oh, help me dustin I'll relay to David because he's a to Telegram. <laughs> you need Telegram, David. <laughs>
3: we'll see. We'll see. All
1: right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Cheer. Rocco.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux podcast.